Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. The difficulty is when we find ourselves at the end of one series and it comes time to move on to the next. Um, And, you know, sometimes it feels like you're at this fork in the road and it's like, man, I better make sure that we, we pick right. And, you know, there's this, I feel like there's this sign somewhere and I feel like I've heard about this sign somewhere and it may just be a figment of a pastor's imagination and pastors have just perpetuated this sign existing. But I'm imagining that I have heard <laughs> this road sign that says it's posted on a road that says, choose wisely because you are going to be on this road for the next however many hundred miles. There is no way to get off of this road. <laughs> Maybe that sign just doesn't exist at all, and it's just, like I say, pastors have perpetuated this because it fit their illustration, because the only time I've ever heard about it is in churches. But that is what I feel like the road sign should read when it comes to picking the next sermon series, (laughs) is choose wisely, because you might be here for a while. And what I can say is this particular time, that choice was especially applicable. I shared in our staff meeting last week a couple of ideas that I was kind of looking at, but ultimately wound up going a completely different direction. Um, And this particular choice kind of pointed me back to what we've been doing over the past few months, right? The past few series that we've gone through as a church, we've placed a lot of focus on the Old Testament on areas of Scripture that sometimes receive less focus, right? The road less traveled. We worked our way through the book of Nehemiah. And last week, we worked through, in our 30-minute chunk, right, we, we worked through the entire Bible. And at the end of that time, we closed with a listing of how Jesus is present in every single book of the Bible. How every single book of the Bible, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, points to the person of Jesus. Who he is, what he did, what he is doing, and what he will do. And as our different Bible studies throughout the week are working through the Bible, identifying these different areas of Scripture that point to Jesus it made sense that, that we should have a time that is also focused on the life of Jesus. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be studying the life of Jesus as told through the book of Mark, a follower of Jesus. And, and by several weeks, I mean a lot of severals, like um, maybe 40 or so. And so when I say that this choose your road wisely because you're going to be here for a while. 40 weeks is a long time to pick for a sermon topic, right? And can I be honest? When, when I said, when, when I thought of, man, could, could we do a sermon series on the life of Jesus for 40 weeks? That's, that's a lot. What, what if people lose interest? <laughs> but then it's like, of Jesus? 
Are, are, I, don't, I don't think we're supposed to think that way. You know, when I was talking to Tim last night about this, you know, he brought up, you know, Jesus in 4K. Like, that, that's kind of the intent here. We are going to zoom in. We, we are going to get very specific. And I want to know Jesus. I, I want to know Jesus in, in ways that I don't know Jesus today. And I want that for you as well. If And if the concern is spending 40 weeks getting to know more about Jesus comes across as boring or not exciting to me, then I think I probably need to spend more time examining my own motivations and less time worrying about the content of Jesus' life, because I'm pretty sure there's plenty of excitement to be had in the life of Jesus. Now, Mark wasn't one of the the 12 disciples. He was more on the fringe, but it is believed that Mark received a majority of his information from Peter, who very much was in the midst of everything that, that was happening during Jesus' ministry on earth. Mark is the shortest gospel, also believed to be one of the first. It's very possible that Mark's gospel was kind of used as the basis or the launching point for the other gospels that were written. They, they kind of took that and said, okay, these are the things that we want to add. Mark is believed to be that young kid who ran away on the night that Jesus was betrayed, leaving his cloak behind. And this is the first event that, that gives Mark his reputation as someone who has trouble standing in the face of adversity. This is kind of his go-to thing. This is, this is what we see from Mark in a couple of different cases. When the time comes, when the times get tough, Mark typically just goes in the opposite direction. That's the, the reputation that, that he has kind of built up that we see in the New Testament. Mark went on a trip with his cousin Barnabas and with Paul, and things got tough on that trip, and Mark went the other direction. Paul didn't allow him to come on the next trip because he said, you are unreliable. How do I know that you are going to stick around when everything gets tough? But later on down the road, we see that Mark becomes instrumental in Paul's ministry, seeing that God thankfully does give second chances. I mean, just pause for a minute. And I mean, That in and of itself, how many of us just need to know for just a minute that God gives second chances? As a parent, I need to know that my God is a God of second chances. As a a pastor, I need to know that God is a God of second chances. As a husband, I need to know that God is a God of first, second, third, and fourth chances. What we see in this account that's written by Mark are are two specific points that are key. That Jesus is incredible. And that discipleship is important. And that seems worthwhile to me. That seems worthwhile to say, this is what we are going to devote time and energy and effort and thought into, that I'm going to devote time and effort and energy and thought into is is discovering how the gospel of Mark shows Jesus as incredible. 
And so the, the ch- one of the challenges that I have for you this week, if you can, if not, do it next week, is at some point, can you take 90 minutes out of your day? At some point, can you take 90 minutes and can you read the book of Mark start to finish? If you have to break it up into 30-minute chunks because you're just not, not able to, to take that time, then that's fine. But try to do the whole thing. And there, there's just something about having that context, being able to go start to finish, having the entire story. So why Mark? There's all the other gospels in the Bible. Why, why, what is the point of going to Mark? The, the first question that we have to ask is, what, why are we even here? Mark was writing to the Roman Empire, whose favorite pastime at that point was going to a Colosseum, watching lions and tigers eat Christians. Mark knew his audience, and he knew that probably dedicating four pages to the Sermon on the Mount and this dissertation on holiness probably wasn't going to get across the whole lot. He knew his audience, and so he wrote a gospel that was simple, that was straightforward, straight to the point. This is Jesus. This is what you need to know about him. This is what you need to know about his life. This is what you need to know about his ministry, that Jesus is incredible and that discipleship is important. This is what you need to know. Can I, I think that's us. And the slight spoiler here is that Jesus isn't even in the first eight verses of (laughs) the gospel of Mark. And why isn't Jesus present in the first eight verses? It's because there needed to be someone that was going to prepare the way. It's almost like there was a Holy Spirit connection that was happening this morning, Mike, as you were singing, prepare the way. (laughs) Because it is exactly what we're talking about this morning. Jesus isn't present in the, in the first eight verses. He's mentioned in the first eight verses specifically because there is preparation that has to happen before we come into contact with Jesus. We're coming to meet with Jesus, and the message in these first eight verses says that if I'm coming to meet with Jesus, that I need to make room. But before we go any further, there has to be some level of commitment that comes from, not from me, but from you this morning. This morning, and and as we go through the, the rest of this message, is, do you want to know Jesus? Do you want to know Jesus more in this coming year? That's the question. Do you want to know Jesus more than you ever have up to this point? I want that. I want that for you. And if that is what you want, then the first step that we have to take is we have to make room. We have to clear a path. So I have two children that exist in various, in a range of of, of cleanliness of their room from, wow, this is impressively clean to, wow, this is not impressively clean. Um, 
And one of the key points, especially when we're maybe towards the, the farther, less clean uh, end of the spectrum, is at the very least, when you go to bed in the evening, there needs to be a path that is free for me to walk through <laughs> from the door to your bed, and vice versa. <laughs> free of trucks, absolutely free of Legos, <laughs> free of dolls, free of clothing, all of those things. There needs to be a clear path. Why does there need to be a clear path? I'm much less concerned about me getting to them as I am of them being able to get out and go to the bathroom. <laughs> but as I was considering that, that is an important illustration because did you know that the process of us making room, the process of us preparing way, isn't because God can't get to us otherwise. Did you know that our preparation has very little impact on what God needs to do? <laughs> God's like, I can show up wherever I want to show up. However, the act of preparing room, the act of preparing the way, of preparing my heart is something that, that is demonstrating to me that I'm making myself available, that it's demonstrating to others that I'm making myself available. Anything that would get in the way of God having his way in me, I'm setting aside. So how do we make room? What are the, the steps that we take to make room? The first is we have to be ready. Starting Mark, verse 1. The beginning of the good news or the gospel about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all of the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What is this good news? What is this gospel that John is sharing? The good news is that Jesus is the Messiah that we have been waiting for and the God that we have been longing for. All of creation has been longing for this moment that is about to come. That, that is the message that John is sharing, that all of creation has, has been longing for this moment and you are blessed enough to be alive to receive it. This isn't just a really good man. This is God. This is the Savior that has come to fix what was broken. This is the healer that has come to restore sight to the blind. When we share with Jesus, when we share with others who Jesus is, this is the message we should be sharing. And yet somehow the message is, well, this is kind of a rough go. You have to give up all of these things that you used to do. It's going to be a, a long haul. What are we selling? 
When we talk about Jesus, it needs to be obvious that it is good news to us because it's definitely good news for them. When God makes a promise, you never have to question if he will keep it. We've broken promises in our life, every single one of us. And we've all experienced people breaking promises that were made to us. God has never once made a promise that he has not kept. And God makes this promise that the messenger will come. John doesn't come to help God. God doesn't need help. John comes to help the people in the wilderness. John is being sent to prepare the people's hearts so that they are ready to receive their Messiah. And he prepares their hearts by helping them remove the obstacles that are in the way of them following Jesus. What's the message? The message says you need to get right and you need to get right right now. Remove the distractions that are stopping you from seeing Jesus. The distractions aren't hindering Jesus from showing up. They're hindering you from receiving Jesus. And so as we embark on this series, if we don't take the time to clear the way, this is going to be a long 40 weeks. And it is, that 40 weeks is going to become quite a waste of time if we don't take the moment to say, it is time to prepare the way in my own heart so that I can receive what it is that God has for me in this season. So we're to be ready, but we're also to be willing. If we think of John the Baptist, he was willing to make himself available. Being bold in ministry requires a confidence in God and not a confidence in your own ability. John is bold in his ministry because of the message. Because it's God's message. And what's interesting to see is that the people have been longing to hear it. The people start coming out of the woodwork to see this guy in the wilderness. Why are they coming out? Why is it that all of the the countryside is emptying out to come see John? Why is it that Jerusalem is emptying out to come see John? For 400 years, the people have not heard from God. And now there is someone in the wilderness saying, hey, that person that you have been waiting for, that you have been longing for, the Messiah, is going to come, and he's going to come in your lifetime. If that's the message that you're hearing, you're going to go check it out. There's a, a movie that Kaylee and I watched, That Thing You Do. I don't know, maybe, maybe you guys have seen it. It's, it's this uh, boy band in the, I don't know, what do you say, like 60s? In the 60s, that they come up with this, this one song, and it, the song is That Thing You Do, and, and it's a really catchy song, and it, it takes off, and it goes nationwide, and they, they think maybe they're going to be like the next Beatles, right? Or I guess they would have predated the Beatles, huh? The next big band, we'll say that. Um, and there's this scene, before they, they really move out of their hometown little band uh, group, where they need to sign this contract, and... 
there's this line in the movie that says, there's this guy in a really nice camper who wants to put our song on the radio. I'm going to sign the contract. You're going to sign the contract. We're all going to sign the contract because this guy wants to put our song on the radio. And that's kind of what I feel like these people are saying is there is something that is amazing that's going to happen. I'm going to go. You're going to go. We're all going to go see what is happening out here. And so as we make our way through the book of Mark, we see that there are really these, these three sections that exist. We see that Jesus is in Galilee. And then in chapters 8 to 10, he's on his way to Jerusalem. And then 11 to 16, he's in Jerusalem. But what we see is first, Jerusalem comes to Jesus. Jerusalem comes out to see John in search of Jesus. And through the book of Mark, we see Jesus making his way back to them in Jerusalem. The people prepared for Jesus through repentance, through confession, and through baptism. Repentance. You're doing this thing wrong. Stop doing that thing and go the other direction. And it seems so simple. And yet, how often is one of those steps missed? <laughs> Either the identifying of the thing that you're doing wrong is missed, the stopping of the thing after it's been identified is missed, or the turning and going the other direction is missed. I mean, it, repentance is supposed to be a, this straightforward event of, hey, I, I shouldn't do this anymore. Let's not do it and do something else instead. But it's so easy for us to get it wrong. And then we have confession that's taking place. I don't have it all together. I need forgiveness. And I need Jesus. This isn't really something that a lot of people are, are drawn to. Confession isn't something that most people get excited about. And yet what we see is all of Jerusalem is emptying because they want to go take part in what it is that's happening. We want, in the West, in America, it's typical to assume, we want to assume that all of you have everything together, that, that none of you have any issues that need to be deal, dealt with. So that, I mean, that makes my job way easier, if you guys can all just have it all together. However, it's when we confess our brokenness and our need that Jesus is able to come in and do work. And then finally, we have baptism, that symbol that says, who I once was is no longer, I'm dead to that person, and now I am alive in Christ. That's the, the final step. So we repent, we confess the, the things that we've done wrong, and then we are baptized to say, hey, this happened, this is real, and now I have this event in my life to point back to. And what we see in Mark uh, verse 6 is that you don't have to look like the world in order for the world to look to you to change. Let's just say it. John looked weird. He dressed weird. He ate weird stuff. I'm pretty sure we could say he smelled weird. If you go to classes about church planting, this is Annette. 
When you go to class, I mean, we've done like church plants and, and like it's all about getting into the, the community of the, the people that you're trying to reach and you, you want to be a part of their, their day-to-day life. You want to be with them in the places that they're going to be in, in their coffee shops and in their little neighborhoods. You want to be doing life with them. And not only does John not look the part, He's having his church service outside of town. And people are still traveling half a day to get there and get the message. And the chosen, the disciples, had a great name for John the Baptist. Crazy John. And I think you could probably say it fits. Here's this guy screaming in the wilderness that you need to come and repent. And he's wearing this weird camel uh, fur jacket, the leather belt around it. He's eating honey and grasshoppers. This is strange. But none of that mattered to John. This is the truth. Get on board. That is the approach that we at Wood Street Chapel, we as followers of Christ need to take. I may look different, I may sound different, but this is the truth. We need to get on board. Come out to the wilderness to get some work done. That's John's message. Come out to the wilderness to get some work done. Why do we need to come out to the wilderness to get work done? What do we know about the wilderness? It's the place where God's people go when they need to be prepared for something. I mean, we have lots of examples in the Bible that say that the wilderness is where God's people go when they need to work on something. A place where it's hard. A place where it's difficult. And, and can I just say, I'm not talking about literal wilderness here. There, there can absolutely be figurative wildernesses that you are going through right now. But let's think about this. The Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness getting work done before they were allowed to enter into the promised land. There was something that needed to be addressed in their lives, and the wilderness was the time that God used to do that. Elijah went out to the wilderness after his massive victory over the prophets of Baal, and he was discouraged at the fact that he was still being pursued. And yet in the wilderness, God met him there. Jonah went out to the wilderness to have his tantrum that God decided to save the city of Nineveh, and yet still God met him there. Later on in this book, we're going to see Jesus is sent out to the wilderness to, to do work. John is here telling the people, come out to the wilderness because the promised land is coming. And there's preparation that needs to happen. We need to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. So we have to be ready. We have to be willing. And finally, we have to be humble. I can never get so caught up focusing on my kingdom that I neglect to prioritize God's kingdom. John did not lose track of what position he was in. John always knew what it was that he had been called to do. I mean, let's just stop and think for just a second. 
If you are the pastor of a church and you are, are out in the wilderness and you're, you're proclaiming the message that God has given you and you're seeing the entire countryside come, how easy would it be to say, man, this is working really good. I should maybe throw up like a little concession stand, maybe start a podcast. Maybe it's time for me to write my, my autobiography. Like, there's this thing within us that's called our human nature that, that so much wants to say, look at me, look at all of the things that I'm doing. But John never fell into that trap. John always recognized, I'm here for one reason and one reason only, and that's to point the way. And church, can I tell you, that is why we are here today. We are here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to point the way. If this if this time here ever becomes something that looks like me creating my own kingdom, it's time for me to not be up here anymore. Prepare the path and get out of the way. John says there is something coming. There's someone coming who is better than me. And I Again, just picture yourself that you're the person who has left Jerusalem, has traveled all this way out into the wilderness to see this guy in the wilderness. And he's saying there's somebody better than him. There's somebody better than you, the, the one who we're coming, who we're saying, we're ready to be baptized, baptize us. He says, yes, there is someone better, someone so much better than me that I, I shouldn't even be allowed to tie this guy's shoes. What we see in Mark 1, verse 7, is that a clear view of Jesus, a clear sight line to Jesus will not ever allow you to be prideful. John cleared the path for Jesus. Jesus cleared the path for the Holy Spirit. Who sent John? God the Father sent John. So what, what we see here is that a very clear demonstration of the Trinity, that, that oh-so-difficult concept to understand that, honestly, we will never wrap our heads completely around until we are in heaven, okay? Let's just get that out of the way. God the Father sends John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus. Jesus is in instrumental. He, his, his focus is to then prepare the way for the Holy Spirit. God outside of us, God the Father, God beside us is God the Son, and God inside us, the Holy Spirit. So the question this morning is, is how do you need to make room for Jesus? I, I can't answer that. That, that is a, a you and Jesus question. I, I can absolutely answer the things that I need to do in my life to make room for Jesus. Normally, when we, we come to a close, we have this time of, of prayer time where we kind of join with one another. Or we, we spend some time fellowshipping out there, and we're more than welcome to, to fellowship out there. But what I would like us to do for this prayer time this morning, um, Mike, if you can just come and, and maybe just play a little bit. We don't even have to sing, um, just instrumentally if you could. Um, we need to take some time. And by we taking time, it, it needs to be a a you and, and God time. God inside us, Holy Spirit, 
will point out to you the things that need to be addressed, where the path needs to be cleared, where the, the way needs, needs to be made straight. And for us to be able to move forward in what it is that God has for us in this season, this needs to get taken care of. We need to move forward. We need to do this work in the wilderness first. And once that work is done, we'll be able to move forward into what God has for us through the rest of this time. So I encourage you, for as long as you need to be here, that we close our eyes, we bow our heads, take whatever posture you need to. Say, God, here I am. I make everything I am available to you. God, I invite you to break me down, to take me down to my base parts and to rebuild me into who you would want me to be. God, I invite you to shape me, to mold me. Lord, I want to look like you. I want to be like you. I want my words to be a reflection of who you are. I want my actions to be a reflection of who you are. God, I want, I want to know you. God, we dedicate ourselves to you. We dedicate our lives to you. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 